Uh, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word in prayer for the message tonight. Malachi chapter number 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed. Boy, God's getting down to business here, isn't He? And spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people. According as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. I want to use this thought tonight as we ask this question. What kind of priest are we? What kind of priest are we? Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for this opportunity to be here on this Wednesday night Bible study. Lord, I pray you'd add your blessings to the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that we would take to heart what is being said and what is undertaken tonight. I pray that you'll help us apply it to our lives to where we may serve you better. In Christ's name we do ask. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. After reading the very first verse and see that this scripture here particularly is written to priests, I'm sure there are some of us, even here tonight, who might be tempted to think that this passage obviously is not for us. We know that the term priest was used to identify a certain group of people in the Old Testament. These priests were descendants of Moses' brother Aaron, who was from the tribe of Levi. They were called Levites and their job was to serve in the tabernacle and later to serve inside the temple. They were sanctified or set apart for two primary purposes. Number one, to serve God by offering sacrifices unto God. And secondly, to represent God before the people, reflecting God's attitude and character to the people, being an example unto the people, if you would. Yeah. 
But we need to be reminded that this term is also used to describe every believer. That word priest is used to describe every believer in the New Testament. Under the new covenant, Jesus Christ, our high priest, our great high priest, offered himself as the one and final sacrifice for sin. He fulfilled his office. We see this in Hebrews 4.14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. You see, the book of Hebrews tonight makes it clear that because of Jesus, the Old Testament priesthood is now obsolete. In other words, the Old Testament priesthood is out of date and no longer needed in that manner. Hebrews tells us that those old continual sacrifices are no longer necessary because Jesus has paid the price for sin with His own precious blood. But Peter, in his epistle, teaches that all believers are priests. We're set apart to be involved in wonderful worship And sacrificial service. Now I'm not saying that if you're a female and you're saved. You need to call yourself the preacher. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible doesn't declare that. And we know the qualifications of a minister. And the female is not involved in those qualifications. That's plain and simple. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says. But you're a chosen generation. Talking of the saved individual. You're a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of Him. Who have called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. John said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let me tell you how this passage can be applied into our lives today. If we can determine that every believer according to the New Testament is considered a priest or set apart for worship and service, then what should we take from this passage? To serve God? By offering sacrifices unto Him. The Bible says in Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are to serve God by offering sacrifices unto Him. We made a sacrifice, whether you realize it or not, to come to the house of God tonight. Uh, I know that uh, I left the house today uh, on my way to church and there were some things that I could have stayed at home and done around the house, but yet I'd rather sacrifice and be in the house of God for a Wednesday night prayer meeting. You may have had a a list two mile long to take care of uh, at the house, but yet you sacrificed uh, your time to come to hear the Word of God preached to maybe enhance your ability in serving God uh, and being a better help uh, in the ministry. 
We do make sacrifices to come to the place of worship. But also, we as priests are to represent God to people. Reflecting God's attitude and character. By the way, they were first called Christians in Antioch. That word Christian means Christ-like. And people are looking at your life, whether you like it or not, and they can see whom you serve. And when we come into contact with both believers and unbelievers, they should know that you're a Christian by your actions. Just as priests in the Old Testament were to point the people to God, each of us is called to point others to God. 1 Peter 2, 9, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. But 1 Peter 4, 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People should know where we stand by the life that we live. They should know that you're saved. They should know that you're a Christian. Unfortunately, it's easy for us to forget our functions As followers of Christ, just like the priest of the Old Testament here forgot their function. As we look at both Malachi chapter 1 and you can look at chapter 2 as well as we've already read. We see a group of leaders that exhibited conduct unbecoming of their profession. God's coming down on those priests because they were unbecoming of their duties. They were faltering and they were failing. There's a lot of people today that are Christians that are faltering and that are failing. But look at what God is saying here in the Scripture. Why did He come down on them so hard? Why is He talking all of this in chapter 2 that we read as His wrath is being poured out upon so-called priests, His followers, Old Testament priests, His preachers? What is going on here? Well, the Bible tells us in the text that we read tonight that they had dishonored the Lord's holiness. Notice in the first part of verse 2, the dishonor of the Lord stemmed from them not listening to Him. When we don't listen to God, we dishonor God. He speaks to our heart in a special way. We are to listen. We are to take note of what He's saying to us and be obedient. But if we turn a deaf ear unto Him, we are dishonoring Him. And apparently here in the Scriptures, the dishonoring of these priests to the sound of the Lord speaking to them was causing them quite a bit of grief and trouble. The word here means to hear intelligently with implication of obedience. In other words, to be obedient in what we're hearing from God. And to lay it to heart refers to an active decision of the will of God. 
We see that God refers to Himself as the Lord of hosts four times in these nine verses in which we read. This is the strongest possible title that He can use to communicate that He is the self-existent one with a host of angelic armies ready at His side. But they didn't really care. They were bored with it all, you see. They yawned at the face of God Jehovah. And yet because of the Lord's love and grace, He offers them a chance to return. Look at the very first word of verse number 2. If. He says, if ye will not hear. And if ye will not lay it to heart. To give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts. I will even send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already. Because ye do not lay it to heart. In other words, the Lord's giving them a condition. He's saying, you persist in the same road that you're headed down. You continually ride down that wrong road that you're going. There's some things that will take place. He's saying if you persist in that direction of sin, I'm going to punish you. And he points to four different things that's going to happen. First of all, he says that he would curse their blessings. To curse means to denounce evil against. The word sin means to hurl or, or, or let loose, if you would. And when the Lord said He was going to curse their blessings, He's saying that sin and rebellion are not just washed away by some benediction or a form of religious service. In other words, they couldn't bless themselves out of the mess that they were in. How many times do we ask the Lord to bless something we know that He is not pleased with? How many times have we asked God to bless us in the midst of our own mess that we created? This is exactly what has happened. He would curse their blessing. But also, this right here ought to take hold to us tonight. He said that He would corrupt their seed in verse number 3. Verse 3 begins with tough words that are aimed at their descendants. In other words, aimed at their children and aimed at their grandchildren. He said, Behold, I will corrupt your seed. The way that they were living in the present world would affect their children in the future. That's scary. We probably need to think about that more than which we do. Are we living in the light of the legacy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we living in that light for all of our kids and grandkids to have prosperous generations ahead? The old adage goes, I'll one day reap what I've sowed. And Unfortunately, it can be passed down generations. 
You mean, preacher, my children and my grandchildren are going to have to pay for my life that I have done? The things in the life that I have done? Possibly so. According to the Scripture, possibly so. But he also not only said he was going to curse their blessing and corrupt their seed, but he said he would defile and humiliate them personally. Latter part of verse 3, one of the strongest statements you'll ever find in the Bible is found in the latter parts of verse number 3. The Lord said He would spread dung on their faces. Even the dung of solemn feast. The Lord is saying because His priests have not honored His holiness, He's going to give them a manure makeover. Yeah. Wow. He's going to take the excrement of the sick animals and smear it on them. One of the most humiliating things that would be even known to man, I would suppose. You know, it's pretty tough for somebody to come by and spit in your face. Yeah. Yeah. That's fighting stuff, ain't it? Look what God said He'd do to His priests that forget His holiness. That's worse than the spit. A whole lot worse than that that comes out of the mouth. Imagine these uh, self-righteous leaders with their face filled with feces. Horrible to think about. But that's how serious the Lord was about the matter. He said, you call yourself priest, but yet you're forgetting the main thing. God. Me. He was saying, you're forgetting me. You're going down the wrong path. Going down that wrong path is going to lead to punishment because you know better. My, my. He also says in the latter parts of verse 3 that he would categorically... Remove them. In other words, he would remove them from their office because of their defilement. So they had dishonored the Lord's holiness. But what else have they done? According to verse 8, they had departed from the Lord's way. They had left the path of walking with the Lord. Once a person stops walking with God, they must get back in step with Him or they're asking for trouble. Or whatever they're doing is going to become completely useless to the Lord. How can anybody do an effective uh, work for God? Whether it be preaching, teaching, singing, ministering, praying, whatever it may be. How can they do an effective job for God or an effective duty for God when their lives are in a total wreck? When their lives are completely to a point to to where they're no longer even following God and God's nowhere around them. Be a tough situation to be in. The Bible says that they were even worse off than they were before they even got saved. Scripture tells. Once we've been enlightened unto the truth and we know the truth and we know the way. Folks, when an individual backslides on God, they are in trouble. They're in very much deep trouble. 
they departed from the Lord's way. But also in verse 8, it said they'd become a stumbling block to others. Folks, let me say something here tonight. If, if anything at all, I don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody getting saved. Somebody coming to Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't want to be a stumbling block in their way. I don't want to be the one that trips them up on their journey to God. Listen, we need to do all that we can to get them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not do everything we can to discourage them. And a lot of times, you see, we discourage them, preacher, by the way that individuals live. They'll look upon that life and they'll say, huh. Well, if they live like that and they're a Christian, then they're no better than I am. Why do I need God? And that's what they say. And that's the total wrong mentality to take it. But that's how a lost individual thinks. But we can be stumbling blocks standing before others. Don't want to be a stumbling block. We all have a circle of influence. When we dishonor the Lord... And depart from His way. We always end up taking others with us. I've seen it. I've seen individuals backslide on God. and, And get out of church. But they're not content with just leaving and backsliding on God. They have to take five or six with them. And they all backslide on God. That's not right. That's a stumbling block. We all have a circle of influence. When we grow cold, others are going to ice over too. I've seen it, I'm telling you. When we grow bitter, others will become bitter too. When we backslide, others will backslide too. Romans 14, 7, For none of us liveth to himself, but no man dieth to himself. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In other words, uh, you can affect a lot of people by the way you live. We're communicating with our lives and with our lips each and every day. We're living our life of faith before others each and every day that we live. Oh, listen, they need to see some God in you. They need to see some Holy Ghost in you. They need to see something in you uh, that's going to make them say, Hey, I want to be part of their life. I want what they've got in their life. I want God. He's got God all over him. I want some of that. I'm not saying that you to be like me or you to be like him or to be like him or him or her. That's what what I'm saying. I want you to be Christ-like. I want you to see what God is and who He is. His darling Son, Jesus Christ. Look at His life. Christ-like. That's what the world needs to see. Amen. That's what they need to see. They're all worried to death. What's going to happen on election day? What's going to happen on this day? What's going to happen on that day? What if this one gets in office? What if that one don't get in office? What about this? What about that? Listen, God's will will be done. But let me say this tonight, and I'll say it very carefully. Whenever you go to the polling booth, you weigh out those candidates... 
and you vent and you look and you see which one stands for what and whichever one uh, sizes up with your beliefs, vote for them. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Me as a Christian tonight, and I can say this, me as a Christian tonight cannot vote for an individual that supports abortion. Me as a Christian tonight cannot vote for an individual that supports the homosexual agenda. I had to write, I was talking to Damon last night, I had to write, uh, uh, let's see, there was five essays on the book of Romans, chapter number one, and three of them I had to write on homosexuality. Essays. And it was as simple as this. <laughs> Write an essay on whether or not you feel like a homosexual or a lesbian can be saved. To me, it's a simple answer. I can answer it with one word. Yeah, they can. Yeah. God so loved... <laughs> one word, yes. <laughs> yeah. God so loved the whole world. All can be saved. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And one of the other questions was, do you think it's right to write an essay? That lifestyle, is it right? I can answer it in one word. No! But I had to stretch it out about three pages long. One word. I just started to change the font and put N-O on one page. There's my page answer right there. They departed from the Lord's way. They had become a stumbling block. What are we communicating with our lives? Folks, when we step into... Look, and they'd done it nearly four years ago when they stepped into the booth and they voted for individuals that were against what they believed. Christian people... Voting against their own belief. Voting against their own belief. I, 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 I stood and said the same thing four years ago. Size them up. Whichever one stands for what the most that you believe in, vote for that one. They voted the wrong one. We're very limited to what we can say behind this desk about anything like that. But yet it don't stop Jesse Jackson from doing it. I can't never figure that out. (laughs) Amen. They had dishonored the Lord's holiness. They had departed from the Lord's way. They had become a stumbling block to others. But also they had corrupted their very purpose. Their purpose under the covenant was to faithfully serve the Lord and to faithfully represent the Lord to others. But they had corrupted their purpose. What is our purpose as the New Testament priest? What is our purpose? Number one, to faithfully serve the Lord. Two, to faithfully represent the Lord to others. 
Number five, they were despised by the people because of their hypocrisy. Here they are being a uh, hypocritical in their lives. And so the people despise the priest. People will despise you today too if they see you living a hypocritical life. They will. They will despise you. It's ironic that the priests were accepting uh, substandard sacrifices uh, in large part because they didn't want to get the people mad at them. They valued what the people thought more than what the Lord did. Sounds like some preachers I know today. We don't want to make them mad. Look, it's not my purpose tonight to make anybody mad. It's my purpose to preach the Word of God. And if it's in the Word of God and it makes someone mad, they need to take it up with God. Listen, if you get a bill in the mail, you don't take it up with the mailman. You take it up with the one who sent it. Amen. They were in a spiritual free fall. They ended up being rejected by the people. The people didn't even want anything to do with these priests. The sham was over. Their gig was up. Listen, when we don't take our relationship with the Lord seriously, then no one else will take us seriously either. We're talking about a loss of testimony. We're talking about a loss of respect. People have seen enough Sunday religion. Out of a lot of folks who call themselves Christians. You know, those types that are holier than thou on Sunday, but they live like hell itself during the week. Y'all know some of them? What are they portraying in their life? The hypocritical portion of the the message that we just talked about, that's exactly what they're portraying. Well, what are they? Are they of the world or are they of God? Oh, well, maybe we can just straddle the fence a little bit and maybe we can have a little bit of God uh, to get us into heaven, but we can hold on to a little bit of the world to keep everybody else satisfied. Don't be a fence straddler tonight. Either go all in, and I don't want to say go all out, I want you all in, amen. Go all in. People, this is just a sad commentary tonight. In conclusion, how are we doing with the priesthood that has been given to us by the Lord? If God saved you tonight... And I believe He has. He's saved you. He's, he's bought you with His precious, precious blood. Are we dishonoring God's holiness? Have we departed from God's way? Have we become a stumbling block to others? Have we corrupted our very purpose? Do others despise our own hypocrisy? If so, then what do we need to do? What do we need to do to make it all right? Well, number one, we need to return to the Lord in obedience. The Lord wants us to listen and to set our hearts for obedience. It's one thing to believe something is true. It's another thing altogether to obey it. James 1, 22, But but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 
We need to be like young Samuel was in 1 Samuel 3.10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth thee. When God speaks, we should listen. And we should act in obedience. We need to return to the Lord in obedience. But number two, we need to respond to the Lord in fear. In verse 4, God is longing for His covenant with Levi to continue. Levi was the third of Leah's sons. Born to Jacob. His name literally means to adhere or to be joined to. Leah was hoping uh, that with his birth, her husband might be drawn closer to her. Bible says, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi, Genesis twenty nine thirty four. In calling the tribe of Levi to the priesthood, the Lord wanted Levi joined to him. We can join many things today. You can join to this one, you can join to that. But there'll never be a union like you joining to God. Hooking up with God. Getting yoked up with God. That is what we all need tonight. Amen. The Lord wants us who are saved and have been given a royal priesthood to be joined to Him. Just as Levi was. Let's be honest about something tonight. Many folks in church are just playing churchy games. That's all they're doing. Their lives are full of compromise. They disobey whenever they feel like it. And right in the face of a holy God, they disobey Him. Folks, church is not a place for games. God is not an individual that we play games with. But yet we see it each and every week. If we properly feared God as we should, that wouldn't happen. We wouldn't wouldn't play games. Our lives would be changed forever. No question about it. Thirdly, we need to resolve to be the kind of priest the Lord wants us to be. If we want to both please the Lord and lead people in the right direction, we must make sure that the Lord's Word penetrates our lives first. We must concentrate on our walk with Him more than anything else. You'll never affect anybody's life by not following God the way that we should. Then number four, we need to remember who we are As well as whose we are. We are messengers of the Lord of hosts. If we're living our faith out loud. People will notice. And they will seek instruction from you. Live your faith out loud. Let people know who you belong to. I don't know how many times I've gotten on the hospital elevators and just by me dressed up in a suit, they sometimes, they either think I'm one of three people. I either work for the sheriff's department, I either work for the funeral home, or either I'm a preacher. Which one are you? Me and another pastor was walking down through the emergency room hallway one day several years ago and somebody stopped us and they thought we was with Floyd's Mortuary. 
But that even gave us an opportunity to witness to them at the time. Yeah. Hey, boys, y'all looking for the Lord? No. Are you prepared to go to the morgue? <laughs> Are you prepared uh, to meet the God of glory, the God of heaven, uh, the great righteous judge? Yeah. Yeah. If no one has asked you lately why your life is different, then maybe it really isn't. Right. When I got saved, Brother Damon, people knew my life was different. From the house to the workplace, people knew my life was different. And even today, I can see somebody out about that I used to go to school with or whatever, and they'll look and say, you're different. I'm like, yeah. Well, you don't do this anymore? I'm like, no. Well, why? It's because I belong to God now. And they'll look and say, oh, 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 yeah, I go to church. Where do you go? Uh, 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 I go down here. Uh, 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 who's the preacher's name? Oh, well, uh, 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 and they can't name nothing. Yeah. I told one the other day, I said, but let me invite you to our church. Okay? Let me invite you to come over. He said, okay, okay. I talked to an individual uh, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, uh, a, a buddy of mine from school that I played ball with, lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. He goes to church. He says he's saved, and I believe he is. He wouldn't tell me a fifth. Last time I seen him, he's about 450 pounds. He's a big boy. Seen his mom at the hospital. Rico, he's seen his mama at the hospital and uh, she said he'd lost a bunch of weight. I said, well, good, I'd love to see it. Love to see it. And I had a uh, Zach that comes here and played ball with me back in, in school. Uh, he uh, had some videos of us playing football. And he wanted, the boy in North Carolina wanted a video of that uh, football that we used to play as kids. And I sent him one and began talking back and forth. I said, man, look, when you get back to Spartanburg, look me up. Let's go have dinner. Let's, I, want, I want you to come to the church. Okay, Todd, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. Still waiting, but I hope we can do that. See, people recognize that something's different in your life. People will notice. The Bible tells us to sanctify, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. In other words, they see hope in your life and they want to know why you've got hope. You want to know why a saved, blood-bought individual can leave the hospital room or the doctor's office that the big C words doesn't come up and they said you've got cancer and you've got six months to live or you've got six weeks to live or you've got a year to live and they walk out of the hospital with a smile on their face saying, hey, I know I've got it but I trust in a God that's going to take care of me and I know that by a shadow of a doubt whether I stay, I'm good or whether I go, I'm good. God's going to take care of me. My friend, that's the hope that we've got. Amen. You never know. We may, any of us could leave the doctor's office tomorrow and they say, you've got something. You've been there. You know that. 
Your wife went through that. But she knew there was a king in glory that saved her and loved her. How's the old song go, Hat? I'm a winner either way. If I go or if I stay. Life forever if I go. Got my healing down here below. Either way, I'm a winner. I'm a winner either way. You see, a lost individual can't say that. A lost individual cannot come to that conclusion in their life. They have no hope. But if they see that hope in your life, they'll want some of that hope. And it's nothing that I can give them or nothing that you can give them, but it's what the Lord Jesus Christ can give them. He's no respecter of person. He can save them just as He saved you. He can give them the hope just as He have you. The Lord's tired of games. He's wanting His priest to get real and stay real with Him and before other people. Our testimonies tonight will be the only Bible many people read. They'll never pick up God's Word, but they'll see this in here. What kind of priest are we tonight? I hope we're one that's representing the kingdom. Representing not only the kingdom, but the king. The Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to stand. Sister, come get us a song of invitation. I know we've done prayed, but if you'd like to come tonight and pray, you've got a particular need on your heart. Maybe you just need help and direction from the Lord tonight. He'll give you that if you'll ask. Father, Lord, we do love you because you first loved us. Thank you and you today for the gift of salvation. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the message from heaven. Lord, I thank you for these these people that gathered around your house tonight for Bible study. Lord, I pray you take this word and we apply it to our lives tonight. Lord, help us to be what you'd want us to be. May we put self aside and be what you want us to be, Lord. God, help us tonight. In Jesus' name we do humbly ask. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to come and pray, we'll surely come pray with you, okay? You come tonight.